couple of things with you that I've thought deeply about recently. There are three kinds of truths in the world. And so I'm going to say there's an objective truth, which is true whether or not you believe it. There's your personal truth, which is true to you. Third truth is a political truth. Political truth is something that is true because it has been incessantly repeated. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good evening, good night. Whatever time you listen to this, just wanted to say thank you for listening. Uh, this is Will with Will's Truth. And for those of you who are new, um, just want to say thank you for tuning in. And for the old heads, welcome back. Hey, what up, bro? Hey, what up? My father, what's up? Good to, good to hear from y'all again. And um, I hope everybody's go, doing good today. Um, you know, for, once again, for the new people, this is Will's Truth. So if you like what you hear, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, you know, hit the bell. Whatever notification you see, hit it so you can stay up to date on what I got going on. That's all I can literally ask from you from this point. And, you know, just you tuning in, it means the world to me. Like, all seriousness, anybody who's willing to give this a listen, I really appreciate y'all. But I won't, I won't waste your time any further. You know, if you couldn't tell from the title, the album that I want to talk about today is Pimp Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. This is episode four in my series I call Some of My Favorite Things, where I just talk about some of the most influential, you know, movies, TV shows, uh, books, artists, you know, just everything that's been most influential to me in my development as a human being in this world. So next up on the list, I, like I said before, is To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. And just to give you all a little context, um, this album actually debuted at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200. It won five Grammys and it broke a Spotify record for like first first streaming when an album comes out. One of those things. But um, and this album, it incorporates a lot of a lot of different genres. It's got jazz and it's got funk. It's got soul. It's got gospel. It's got spoken word. It's got R&B, you know. This, this album pretty much has got, it got every genre wrapped into it. And uh, originally, he was going to name the album How Much A Dollar Costs, which is actually one of the songs on the album. That would have been a great title either way. But um, the other title he also had for this album was he was going to do uh, To Pimp A Caterpillar, which when you put the initials of those together, it spells Tupac. And if you don't know, Tupac was very influential in the Kendrick Lamar's development. But, um... We'll get into that a little bit later. But um, one thing I really, if I'm being real with y'all, I was I was, I was, was scared to do this album because for one thing, it's just so deep and complex that I didn't want, I want to make sure if I was going to do this, I got to do it right. I got to do the research. I got to understand so I can speak on this as eloquently and as intelligently as possible. Because one thing I want to do is I always want to bring something to the table for y'all, something new, something interesting, something, you know, you didn't have before especially with what's going on now in the world you know you definitely need some uh, some knowledge some entertainment some fun you know so i'm gonna try i'm gonna try to bring that to y'all so if you like what you hear once again give it a like give it a share you know share this on your social medias i'll greatly appreciate it but um well, let's just get let's get straight into it so um the first thing i want to talk about actually we're gonna change up the formula a little bit i want to talk about just some of the themes that he tackles in this in this album because it's this album just goes so deep. Like I was, I, I, I didn't think I could do it, but I, I think I got a good grasp on a lot of the concepts he was talking about. I probably, I guarantee I missed some stuff just because there's so much in here. But just to talk about some of the stuff he talked about, like some of the concepts he brings up are like greed, 
love, depression, you got gang violence, police brutality, depression, financial literacy, survival's guilt, the hurdles black men jump through to survive in America, revenge, self-love, loving your skin, black empowerment, and then it gives proper proper respect to the OGs, which are funk and jazz and soul. Give, it really gives them their due respect, and that's just that's just a couple of things. Like that ain't even everything. If I we could be sitting here all day talking about all the things that he tries to tackle in this thing, but it's just he goes he goes so he's such an intelligent guy. Like the things he thinks about is just stuff that nobody else thinks about, and the concepts, the way he words it. Literally, I could sit here and talk all day about the the instrumental. Or like the the music of the, the album i could talk in like the way he speaks i could just talk about that alone but it, you didn't even have to have like these great deep like philosophical concepts like about the black experience like he didn't even have to he didn't, he didn't have to do that like but is is because there's like the music and then there's what he has to say and those are like two two almost two totally different things so actually um normally i save this for the end but i i want to go ahead and just uh give it to y'all now um just want to talk a little bit about my personal experience with the album and for for this album um i remember i was in i was in high school when it first came out and just like everybody else i was i was into all right and uh and king Kunta. those are the two songs i mainly listen to a couple of the songs i can't remember which ones i listened to but i just feel like mentally i wasn't ready for the amount of detail that Kendrick was bringing to the table, it took me a few years. I, I wasn't. It, it was came out in 2015. I I didn't sit. I wasn't mentally ready for it as a whole until maybe 2000. I think it was 2018 when I was at work and I just decided I haven't listened to this album top to bottom in a while. And the amount of concepts that I just missed were, was blowing my mind. Like the. Th the talking about the struggles of black men in America and the beauty, the beautiful jazz and funk that he got going on in this thing, man. And ugh, it's just, it blew my mind. And what's even stupider is when I listened to this first in high school, I didn't even get to Mortal Man. I didn't even finish the song. I don't even know why I didn't. So when in 2018, when I go back and listen, I didn't even know that Tupac was at the end. That jump blew my mind. I was like, yo, I was like, is that Pac? That's exactly what I said. I said, is that Pac, bro? I was dead, bro. I had no idea it was there, and that was that was really nice that that was kept a surprise for me for all those years that he was in there. Like, and when I listened to it, I listened to it for a solid year after that. Like, it's just flat out. I just wasn't ready, and now I'm ready, and now I'm even more ready than I was before because now I understand this thing forwards, backwards, and sideways. But you know what? Let's get into my favorite part of it. Let's let's get into let's break down a couple of the songs a little bit more in detail. So um, the first song I wanted to start with is well, we're gonna go top to bottom. We can't do every song because you know some of these songs I'll be here all day talking about. So yeah, we're gonna do the main songs. But um, I always forget to say this ahead of them. Yeah, once again, this is a listen along series. What well, you need to either listen to the album ahead of time or listen to the album while I'm talking about it. I will keep you posted on what song we're listening to at the moment. But yeah, I um. This is a listen along series, so you need to listen along with me, because we about to we about to have a conversation about this. This isn't this isn't really I don't really do reviews. That's not really what this is. This is more of a celebration slash conversation about some of my favorite things. 
So the first song we're gonna get into um, is Wesley's Theory. So the album, if you don't know, is To Pimp a Butterfly, and the song, the first song is Wesley's Theory. Okay, so first of all, off of the rip, this junk is funky, bro. Like this junk seems like it's straight out the G Funk era, like that Nate Dogg, Warren G, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre kind of stuff. Like just off the rip, like, and you can really hear that like he brought in somebody like George Clinton and like Thundercat. Like he brought like funk like from OG and then like modern day funk like he brought them together and like it's just they went stupid the bass line like this just sounds straight like you about to pull up on the with the with the hydraulics on your wheels and stuff bro like them big old rims it's just old school bro like and I guess that that's also why a lot of like people who are uh, like OG fans of him like since like To Bimba Butterfly and Section 80 were a little bit upset by some of the songs that he came out with just cause it was such a it was such a turn from what he, he had originally made, which he talked about that because, you know, he just, I mean, put it simply, like, people grow and people change, just to say it bluntly. And he changed as a, and he changed as a person. You know, his his development, his ideas, the concept he wanted to bring to the table, they all changed, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, but, yeah, this, if, if I had been listening to Good Kid, Mad City first, and, like, I had thought of that camera jerk all the time, then I would, I would be a lot more surprised. But this is my first, like, full in-depth experience to Kendrick Lamar so that's why it didn't shock me as much but a lot of old heads were shocked by it yo big dog this junk is funky bro like this junk goes stupid and then um lyrically Kendrick Lamar is kind of getting into like this, he's, he's talking like he was when he was first like was about to get a deal like what he was about to do like he's gonna go take care of the hood you know buy, buy a whole bunch of stuff you know you know the normal rapper stuff that's kind of the that's 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 where he's he's talking and then then the album changes it gets a little dark when um, dr dre comes in yeah once again shout out to george clinton and thundercat they really put their foot in this song and Ken kendrick he, he he sounds like an excited young kid when he rapping on this song and then then the real world hits him and a lot of times this happens a lot in the in the this uh this happens uh, kendrick lamar uses this analogy often he he um relates the the game riches m the music the temptation of fame a lot of it it's 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 used through the perspective of a woman because uh i guess the most tempting thing on it uh, deep down for a man is is women so a lot of times like he said at first i did love you you know he speaks as if he's speaking to a woman it was really like the game but it's like but now I just want to fuck. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, that's all I wanted to say on that. But anyway, when Dr. Dre gets in there, that's when that's when it gets stupid. Straight off the back, um, the opening song is um, actually, I, I won't get into a bit deep into it now. We're going to come back to it later. But this comes up again in I. So when we get, get to I, we're going to discuss that a little bit more in detail. But there's a deeper there's a deeper meaning to that. If you don't already know a lot uh, very often throughout this album the theme of temptation and greed and lust and the want for possessions and women and drugs and money it's it's interesting the way he does it because he he it's very authentic because he, he treats that perspective as something that doesn't sound that bad like when when in this specifically in this song you know he's saying what you want you a house you a car for the acres and a mule He's like, he's, he's saying, I'm Uncle Sam, I can hook you up, but you don't understand, that's that's temptation whispering in your ear. Like, like, 
like lustful listening you know it don't sound that, that bad and the concept of lucifer comes in very often but he paints it how it really is it's not lucifer the devil with uh pointy ears and a tail and red and whatever like lucifer is lucy Lu it's it's a pretty young thing it don't look that bad it don't look that bad until it already hits you and that's another thing he tries to touch on with the dr dre lick because as soon as the dr dre lick it hits you know he says anybody can get it but the hard part is keeping it and then the then the song gets ominous and like real mysterious and like scary when um uh uncle sam comes in telling you know buy whatever you want you know we'll just we'll just tax you later don't even worry don't even worry about it and that's when kendrick lamar begins to speak about financial literacy and like how public system has really failed people and that's why stuff like that happened to people like wesley snipes you know the the muse for this song he was not educated properly on how to how to handle his money and he gets deeper into it as we get into later in the in the album but that concept of not educating black people on the struggles of america basic things that are taught generationally we aren't taught and we struggle with and fail and that's what kind of this song really talks about and that's something he's very fervent about like the even the concept of pimping like in the in the song you think of pimping as a bad thing it can be if you allow other people to pimp pimp you like industries and stuff pimp your talents as uh i mean we'll get into more of this later but yeah that's that's really his main goal is having you pimp your talents to your own benefit and even him himself he says he's not even really sure how he you know with the situation he came from in compton he wasn't given the knowledge either so the only reason he's made it where he is now is he, he it says it's only god protecting him keeping him safe giving him the knowledge he needs when he needed it like he he's lucky to make it out like he says that which is true you know and that's why he's trying to pave the path so it's easier for people other people in the future which he just gets into all this in deeper detail as we go deeper into the song but the 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 way he doesn't the way he paints the evils and temptations i love in this album because temptation always sounds great in church they tell you like oh beware of the devil you know it's like ain't no devil it's a it looks good at the moment it looks good so you have to look beyond the raw physical appearance or the sound of it and look at the substance he's saying what you want a house a car i'll get it for you you know, don't worry about it. Just swipe that credit card. We'll come back to it. Oh, and they gonna come back to it. Sally, look, the government gonna come. They gonna come for their money. They gonna come get their money. That's one thing they gonna do is they gonna they gonna get their money. But anyway, that's Wesley's theory. So let's keep it going. Let's get into the next song, which is um, ooh. Every I mean, every couple months I have a new favorite on this album, but my newest favorite is uh, for free. I love that song. So let's get into it. Man, Kendrick Lamar is a master at setting the tone. Like off the rip with the choir and the and the singing, and then you got the drums. Man, that's they got that jazzy drum set going. I love this album. Like, cause the first song was was funk. It was straight funk, and then this for free. That junk is straight. It's straight jazz. Ain't nothing but. It's that. It's not even smooth jazz. That's real jazz. Like in the in the musical definition of the term that junk is nothing but jazz like i said i said this early i said the little opening where they go i said if i'm a superhero that's what i want my theme to be yeah, that saxophone that and then the t -t 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 
eat that drum, that drum. Whoever playing the drums going stupid. But before I continue, I gotta shout out the two main jazz influences. I shouted out the folk influence, George Clinton and um, Thundercat. There's probably more. I, if I'm missing people, I'm sorry. But these are just the people that stuck out to me through my research. Is um, Tomasi Washington. I'm hoping I'm saying these right. Tomasi Washington. I'm ho I hope I'm saying this right. Tomasi Washington and Robert Clasper. I would encourage y'all to go listen to their stuff. These dudes, these dudes killed the jazz in this album, bro. Like, uh, Kendrick Lamar said, like, they would just have, like, jam sessions, and he'd just be writing in the, they'd be, like, literally jazz jam sessions with some of the greatest in jazz and funk, and they just go on to him, and he just writing music to it. Like, when, when was the last time you heard somebody, uh, a rapper, invite a band into their studio, and they just riffing, and you just write, and the rapper just writes on top of it? That just says a lot about his skill and dedication and that's what i really respect about him like he went to where jazz is he went to where funk was and he he he, he found the source and like tried to make it as authentic as possible and that's something i really i really commend him for doing like he he got some serious and he got some really talented people like anna wise and Bilal. like he really got some his you know his boy Soundwave. he'd be killing it like and then for I haven't even gotten to the the context of the let me get into the context of it. Once again, who's ever doing the drums for this song is going stupid. I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up later. Whoever did the drums for this song went absolutely ham. It's so funky. It's really driving the whole thing, and I love it. But um, to get into the context of it a little bit, um, the woman speaking, um. The woman speaking is supposed to be a metaphor. You know, she's complaining, talking about, Kendra, you don't do nothing for me. I need this. I need that. If you ain't going to do this for me, I'll find somebody else. You know, it sounds real ratchet. And I, that's all I thought it was, just like a, a ratchet girl going off on Kendrick. But really, it's really, she's a metaphor for America and how America be pimping black men out, like just trying to get them for their money, their possessions, you know, pimp them out. Pimp, you know, pimping their talents. Like they're rapping, they're singing, they're, they're labor in prison, you know, just pimping them out and then leaving them out to dry once they once they done with them and i just love i just love that the perfect metaphor for uh for america like like uh, trying to siphon gold trying to gold dig me, black men america gold digging black men and women too and their talents and their gifts is a, a black woman uh telling a dude he ain't shit <laughs> that's the funniest thing to me i love it because i would have never thought of a metaphor like that that is genius level bro it's genius level and then kendrick's response oh kendrick's response i oh i'm getting hype boy if i could speak oh i'm getting i get too hype i gotta calm down but i'm getting i get too hype this song something about this song boy kendrick Lam okay let me let me step back a little bit okay so for for this song he uses us like um, a spoken word style of rapping that before this point I had never heard before. The only time I've ever heard it, and I spoke on this last time, was on the song Gray by um, by Saba on the album Care For Me. I spoke on that on, my, on a previous video. Um, uh, I'll leave a link for that. Go check that out. And it's... I love that. I wish more more rappers would rap in this style. It's so it's I I love it. I love it so. 
I really, I, I love it. It just, it just gives an old feeling to it. Like you, you speak into the sp experiences of the old heads and the old poets, and, and uh, Maya Angelou and Nina Simone and Langston Hughes. You know, Louis Armstrong. It feels like he's tapping into like, and even modern day like people I respect, like Wynn Marcellus. Shout out to Wynn, bro. Oh, and rest in peace to. Um, I'm sorry, I almost forgot. Rest in peace to two very influential people, Ellis, Ellis Marcellus Jr. And Bill Withers, we lost both of them recently. Um, condolences to the family and one Marcellus. Uh, condolences to all of you all. Very respect. Those are two very pivotal people, both in R&B and in jazz, in the future of jazz. And oh, if you know me, I love me some good real jazz. I'm not a big fan of smooth jazz. I love that real freeform, like abstract kind of Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, when Marcellus kind of jazzy jazz. And Kendrick brings it with this man. Both and and Tomasi and uh, Robert Glasper, man, they they going stupid, bro. And just just to speak on the uh, what he's speaking on in this is essentially uh, America's been pimping black men out this entire time, gold digging them, trying to get them for all they worth, and then leaving them out to dry. And then and Lamar says, "Enough is enough." But in a in a literal sense, he says, "This dick ain't free." <laughs> You leave it on. I can't even write as fast as it, but it, and the the it's and I like the the that he used the the term this dick ain't free, not to get too vulgar, but like because um the penis is a, a metaphor for I, I like it because it's speaking on like you only want one part of them, you know what you think is the most valuable part of them. That's all you want. But he's saying you can't you can't get this for free no more because and also it speaks on how like I, a, a rap a rapper said like. Pussy is free. No, pussy cause dick is free, and it's like it's it's flipping it on its head and it's saying we need to start valuing ourselves. We're more than that. We're worth more than that, and we're gonna start taking back what we're worth. And on top of that, I'm taking interest on everything you did to me before. You know, all that all that slavery, all that hard work I did on the football fields and in the studios for y'all. I'm taking my interest back. We t we've taken it back as a people, and that's pretty much his clapback is saying enough is enough. You think I'm gonna keep living this life? He said, I want my 40 acres and a mule. I don't want 40 dollars and a pit bull. I'm taking what I'm worth. And man, this is just off the rips. This is song two, song number two. Like Kendrick is going hard in the paint, bro. Ugh. Hold on, let me listen to a little bit. And also to speak back on um, Kendrick's appreciation for jazz. Um, he was sitting down with somebody in the studio and he was just speaking musically on his preferences. And the dude was like, "You, the way you th speak about music subconsciously is, it's it's naturally, he's his, his musical preference is naturally jazz, like what he likes to do with his music. Excuse me, yeah. So his his subconscious preferences are is jazz. It's default. His music preferences are default jazz. Like he said, he thinks about music. The way he thinks about music is the way a, a musician thinks about music, like a brass player or like a pianist, like subconsciously. And he he said he didn't. He said that just speaks on a lot of stuff that like you can do that you know you don't really have a word for, but you just you just subconsciously do. Like he said, I just always thought. You know, that's just how I fit. You know, this is just something I like. Like, he never really had the words to put in the context, which I thought was very interesting, especially with this album, which really makes it interesting that he didn't really go back to his jazz, the jazz roots for, um, for a damn. But that's a conversation for another day. But, um, 
but yeah this is the over the overarching theme always comes back in with this album with it which is pimping your talents because either you're gonna pimp it or somebody else is gonna pimp it that's really his what he's trying to tell people and especially with america essentially yeah it's gold digging but yeah they're pimping your talents and you gotta you gotta pimp your own talents to your own benefit he speaks on that very often that's like when, when he was when he was touring for this album that's all he really talked about was he just wanted to pimp pimp his talents to help people and like i said earlier my favorite thing is like he doesn't paint the evils and temptations as evil things like because they're real surface level like america he says it oh america you bad bitch and he he very intensely because in the music video america is a bad bitch bro like <laughs> he made that jump he made that jump real america ain't no ugly girl America is very, the, the, let me say, America, it's a metaphor for America in the American dream, you know, trying to make it, pulling up by your bootstraps, yada, 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 starting your own business, that sort of thing. That American dream, it's real, it's super tempting, just like a good looking woman. And I, I, I love that he, because a lot of people treat, treat uh, like, I mean, I know I already said this, but yeah, people just treat uh, temptation like, oh, temptation, the evil, when it really be like, like it ain't it's just it's just calling to you and all all america wants from us is to pimp our talents whether uh statistically that what they want is for us to be rappers and athletes and they get crippled by debt and get locked up just like wesley snipes in, in, in the conversation he had earlier wesley's theory or dead in the streets or option c in prison that's what america wants from us and Kendrick Lamar essentially saying, enough is enough. If we're not gonna follow your stereotypes, you're not gonna follow this this pipeline system that you built. We're gonna we're gonna find our own path. And once again, like I said um, earlier, this goes back to the finan the financial literacy, you know, understanding buying a house, apartment, taxes, that sort of thing, all that stuff they don't teach you in school. This is it's coming back to that how that has failed us in real life in our understanding of the world. And then like just just for he's got perfect transition in this song. Um, I'll get more detailed to transitions later, but for, because you go from, you go from saying, you know, I used to, um, you go from the great funk from uh, Wesley's theory, then you get into four free that's got the jazz influence, and then you hop into titles like King Kunta, which mix mix a little bit more traditional hip hop things in there, but also keeping some of the things from earlier, and uh, well yeah, also so yeah, we're, we're transitioning into King Kunta now is what I was attempting to do. Was that a good transition? How'd y'all like that? I thought it was cool. I mean, essentially, the moral, the moral of this album. I mean, well, th not this album. This song is. It's kind of like uh, the embodiment of when a black person comes up to you and calls you king. Come on, king, live, live up to your you kings and queens. That's that's literally what this song is is saying. It's essentially saying no matter what people call you, you're still a king. <laughs> that's essentially the moral. And then the funny thing is. Uh, the, the the name King Kunta is essentially a, it's an oxymoron, and shout out to Genius for this quote here. It said that they said he's because it's King King the word King and then Kunta you know like Kunta Kente from the Roots, not the Roots the band but Roots the, the TV series. I never saw it but I looked it up for this, and but the quote from Genius that I really love is he said he's he's oppressed like a slave and dominant like a king, and I was like. Ooh, if that ain't the black experience, oppressed like a slave but dominant like a king, ooh, and that's why it's an oxymoron. Like, he's essentially, and also Kendrick's essentially like puffing his chest, like, essentially 
solidifying his throne in the rap game which is the only time he really brings it up is in this song but yeah and how like he's essentially running away with it <laughs> and that's, that's another thing it's very interesting to me personally about Kendrick Lamar is how I've noticed that old heads in the rap game will kind of pick their favorites like who they want to, to ex excel and run with the rap game and one of those people clearly is Kendrick Lamar like when you hear old heads talk about every old head loves Kendrick Lamar and thinks flat out that he's running it right now like he's the king which is true if he were to drop something right now the world would freeze the world would stop if Kendrick Lamar dropped an album right now which we all know he won't <laughs> but it's nice as dream but that's something I really find there was another dude what's what's the dude with the with the hair that um that's who it is YBM Cordray that's another that's the other dude that I've seen like uh or rappers just like say this is this is the one next up or this is my favorite I've um I'm not sure if he'll reach Kendrick's level, but I've noticed that like he's he's kind of been picked as we like this one, because uh, the thing old heads and rap will do, they'll make sure to tell you if they don't like the new school, they'll tell you who they don't like. They old heads be quick to tell you who they don't like, but it's always rare when they tell you the people who they do like. So I always pay attention to that, and I always find that interesting. But anyway, there's not much, at least for me to talk about on King Kunta. I pretty much said everything I needed to say, but um. Now let's get into the next song real quick. I just want to talk about it. Um, I'm not really going to give it a full listen. just because. Well, I gave it a full listen already, but not in this moment in time. I'm just going to talk about it. But Institutionalized is the next song I really want to talk about. But the other thing that really stuck out to me personally from that song is the is the main theme, which is, um, you know, I would try to keep it clean, but I feel like it, you don't do these, these justice unless you say them how they are. But my favorite phrase that he says is shit don't change until you get up and wash your ass. Like that joint real. It's 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 real. I love the bluntness of it. Like shit don't change until you get up and wash your ass. Like it's that it's that clear. Like nothing will change until you get up and you know, like you know how people say like if you wanna do something, like if you wanna have a productive day, you gotta get up. You can't get up late and you have to do something like brush your teeth or shower like you've got to it's the it's the jump start to like having a productive day they say that all the time and that's kind of what this is saying like you got to get up you got to wash your ass and that's that's the only thing that really stood uh, and, and, and institutionalized it kind of gets into like the mentality of like how much tunnel vision people like coming from Kendrick Lamar's background like go through and like the things they don't understand just because of once again the themes that I talked about earlier but um, after that, it gets into the song You, which is a very good depiction of at least Kendrick Lamar's experience with depression. Like, he speaks like he's yelling at somebody, like, loving you is complicated, it's hard to love you. He goes in, goes hard about your failures, things you got wrong, and it's, and but it's, he's really, it sounds like he's talking to the perspective of somebody else, like he's yelling at somebody, but it's really him yelling at himself, which really depicts depression in an authentic light. It's just you yelling at yourself in your head <laughs> like you can't get really and then when he's like then he changes it up and then the flow it gets more like it's it's almost like he started drinking and he's drunk now and he starts like weeping and crying about the things he's going through and the suicidal thoughts and like hit the pressure and the survivor's guilt that he feels a lot like a lot of his a lot like he said he said this um that one of the things that really struggles with him is when like things happen to people the people closest to him 
And with all the power and fame that he has, he can't do anything about it. And also the people he loses along the way, he feels a lot of survival's guilt and a lot of responsibility for the people around him because of his current status as a rapper and a prominent person in the black community. So you paint that in a very beautiful light and I really love you for that. It's a very, you know, another one of them songs that when I was a kid I wasn't ready for, but now I really appreciate it for what it is. But then we move on and then we get into the magnum opus. All right. The, the face of protesting in the Black Lives Matter and probably hit the, the best song, the most, the, the most important, let me say the most, well, he, hmm. The most impactful song he will ever make, I feel like, is All Right. And let's 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 just talk about All Right for a second. Oh, I'm sorry, I almost forgot. Um, we gotta talk about these walls. I totally I wanted to talk about these walls. Uh, I don't know. I went out of. Dang it! I broke my own rule. I got I went out of context. But whatever. We gonna keep it going. Um, then yeah. So next I want next now and before we get to all right, I want to talk about these walls. And I just love I love the vibe of these walls because it just feels like the album's been going so hard, and then it just it's been going so hard making its statement and saying you know I'm here that and then it's like okay let's step back a little bit. Let's let's because it's almost I mean it's in context but it's also out of con. It's essentially just a side story, to be honest. Like it's just like um, essentially this this dude killed his friend. This is a recurring story from um, Good Kid, Mad City. A dude killed his friend, and now he's got life in prison, and then his girl is now sleeping with Kendrick. And so the song is essentially about their experiences and and also the guilt she feels for it, but she's still lonely and mad at him for murdering somebody he ended up in prison. And then Kendrick's just getting revenge, but, you know, he's also taking care of himself at the same time. And... But, you know, it's a very it's a very sad song when you think about the context of it, but the vibe is just so chill. Like, it's it's got a real... Uh, that This is when it really gets into, like, R&B vibes. Like, this is when really he starts touching on that. But I didn't have much to say on These Walls. I just really like... I just really like... I really... I like the change-up and vibe that These Walls brings. It's it's a... It's, it's very calming, very relaxing, very very peaceful song. You know? Just a dude stealing a dude's girl. Don't get more peaceful than that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but um, now now let's kind of let's get let's get into all all right a little bit. Well, not a little bit. Let's let's go ahead and dive into all right now. And for a little context on all right, apparently uh, Pharrell Williams made the beat for him, and like he kept bothering him like over and over again. Like, did you did you get the song done? Is the song ready? How you got you got the words together? Cause he knew Pharrell knew what this was gonna be. If you know Pharrell, Pharrell is an OG. Like that man. That man got hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. He only only real like music people really talk about it, but like Pharrell, he been he been holding down the game for a minute. So you know when Pharrell say something gonna be good, it's gonna be good. Like he don't he don't bluff about stuff like that. And like the whole the whole vibe of the song is so uplifting because it's like it's saying all this because especially coming off of you, like it's a perfect transition after you was saying like even though we go through all these terrible parts of our life and our and the feelings and the things we do and we do bad stuff you know at the end of the day we're gonna be all right <laughs> just to put it sometimes that's all you really need is that simple stuff you know even though and especially talking about police brutality and stuff like all this stuff the world throws at us especially it's I, he's talking specifically to black people but like black people we're gonna be all right we're gonna get through this because we've gotten through worse that's essentially what the song is saying. And I really love that about it. And just the uplifting sounds that he uses in this song. Saxophone. 
and then the the dude who's who's saying like we're gonna be all right it sounds it feels like your uncle when like you scrape your knee and he puts your or your father whoever you have and he puts his he puts his arm his hand on your shoulder and he's like it's all right man just shake it off and you just you, you wipe your eyes and you just keep it rolling that's that's what it feels like and that, that's why i really love this song so i just want to talk real quick about um the song for for sale what i find really interesting about it is What's very interesting about For Sale, and I won't dwell too long on this, but it's it's essentially a conversation with the devil, or whatever you want to call it, temptation, whatever you want to call it, and it's essentially it's kind of weird because it's in in a real sense it's like saying you know man I've been through you this everything with you I bought you this I bought you that I got you this I got you that so why don't you just go ahead and um, sign that contract real quick you know and, it's, and that's the thing I find interesting is through this perspective it's almost like the devil's one of your homeboys that you've been with for a minute. And, you know, they've been riding through all this and then they need a favor. And you find out that favor is going to screw you over. Like, he, treat, he treats you good until it's time to screw you over. That's just very interesting. And, yeah, once again, he paints it in such a in a, such a calming and not really, like... It's not like in movies it was like, I have a secret for you. Just sign the papers and everything will be fine. It's not. It's not anything like that. It's, it's like I wanna get you, get you, get you, get you. I'm money, money, buying with you. Only money, the coca dough, buying with you. I want you. Like it's real. It's real nice and peaceful. But you, but that's how it is. The it's temptation sneaks up on you. You don't realize it's evil until it's already got its. Until it's like a snake slowly wrapping itself around you. You don't notice until he he grips it up. He got you. You already got you wrapped up. You got you signing that contract. You lose your masters. You lose all the rights to all your stuff, your identity. You lose your rights to everything. That's because Lucy, Lucy, Lucy snatched up, had a plan. But that's uh, that's why I like I like for free. That's uh, I didn't used to like that song, but I, I like this. Oh, I like the vibe of it because it's got that. Oh 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 oh. And it's got that. I love that. That's my I, that's my favorite. That's my favorite thing, bro. That's one of my favorite licks in the whole 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 album. But yeah, and and another, going back to musically, one thing I love is the the funk and the jazz and the, like the soul influences. They kind of they, they after the first two songs, they kind of like kind of intertwine and mingle and hop in and out, and they kind of combine together to make um. Com you combine you combine the jazz and the funk, and you make junk. <laughs> that's a reference for you if you know that reference let me know i mean you get that reference <laughs> you're making junk <laughs> but let's 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 keep it going Oof. this is my second on my on my list of like when i when i have a new favorite you know originally it was all right then it was king kunta sometimes then it was how much a dollar costs one of the original names of the album Oof. This song hits you heavy, boy. Oh my gosh! And to speak musically real quick about this album, one thing uh, I didn't even notice it till like just now, but like the just like real jazz, like OG jazz, like not everything is on the downbeat. Like the song almost comes in like on the upbeat or like a sixteen note. It's like and it kind of it kind of ease it kind of winds into it which i love because that's that's that real authentic jazz because you know it's not it's not exact it's, per, it's not perfect it's not like calculation it's just it sounds like a jam session and i really love that 
but like but like and even the somber feeling of the of this song like going from top to bottom this is another song that just went all over my head when i was like how old was i back then 17 yeah when i was 17 like i think i think i was 17 16 or 17 but like that kind of stuff just like went right over my head like the cops like for the story of it it's got this somber sound to it like almost like it's a it's a gloomy day and it's like kendrick's going to go get some gas or something and this homeless man walks up to him and asks him for money and he's like nah man but like for some reason he's feeling guilt more than usual because you know, he doesn't know why it's like because he knows he's just gonna spend it on drugs or whatnot and he's but he, he just can't shake that old man and he's like okay so i gotta give a little respect to the og um ronald isley the lead singer of the isley brothers um he's got a he's got a he's got a lick in this song but um one thing that's interesting about this song is while he's yelling talking to this dude talking about you know you know why do i feel bad for not giving this dude his money like in between the chorus is what gets you is like you saying water sun the one you love you know it's all you need you know the air you breathe that's all you really need and I think that's the and then like yeah you get into it he gets deeper and then you find out that the homeless man is actually God testing him so he said you better enjoy that dollar because it costs you a spot in heaven and then that's when that's when um, Ronald Isley comes in with the with the I washed your hands I said my grace what more do you want from me tears of a clown guess i'm not all what it's all meant to be shades of gray will never change if i condone turn this page help me change to right my wrongs it's got that got that mo it's, now he's feeling sorry but it's too late you should have known that you should have listened to the chorus he's talking about the most it's not that's not what it's about that's not what life is about life is about helping people and taking care of the, your family yourself your mind your body your soul your spirit that's what it's all about and i just love that title how much a, how much a dollar costs i feel like this song doesn't get enough credit so a lot of these songs i feel like don't get enough, i feel like if these genres all came out separately like if he came, if he didn't come out with this song if he came out with this song today if he came out with this song today it would have exploded i feel like but uh and then the, the Bible references, I'm not deep enough to get into the Bible references that he has in this, in the most, a lot of these songs, but it's just, this, he goes so deep in this, and there's so many meanings, so many different things, like, you could say one thing, but it, it could really mean something else, and something else could be a deeper meaning, but in other things, it might not be as deep as you think it is, it's just, this is just a great album, flat out, this is a great album, and I love it, this man is super talented. But let's let's keep it going. That was how much a dollar cost. Now let's get into the, the next song, which is Complexion. Once again, just like um, All Right, this is a great and th these walls All Right and Complexion, I feel like are really great songs for changing up the mood. Because this 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 album covers both the good and the bad of the black experience, which is what I really I really like. And so sometimes it gets a little heavy. So he has these couple songs that kind of lighten it up where he has complexion where essentially he's talking about you know to love yourself you know don't feed into color colorism and essentially it's just love yourself it's like i don't know brown skin girl or um a lizzo song but but i 
but I actually like it. <laughs> but but seriously, yeah, I really like this, especially the Rhapsody. He has he has Rhapsody on this song, and this is back when people really sleep on Rhapsody, but like. She kills. I love the the beat change when she comes in. I really like it. But yeah, I love the context of this song. And apparently, he got the idea from it, from visiting Africa, and um, seeing seeing the culture and the influences over there inspired him to, to write this song about loving yourself. Because um, also, South Africa has like a really bad colorism problem. Like they they like bleach their skin over there. Like it's really bad. Like people have have cancer and diseases and stuff because they just. You know they they were trying to get lighter and that's so sad you know and even to bring it to america when you see you know i don't want to like hate on anybody but just whenever i see like women getting nose jobs and stuff like that especially especially uh, you know i'm only talking exclusively to black women when black women get nose jobs and like they're natural you know black people's natural features are have very broad noses and when you make them smaller like recently the most famous one is summer walker I just I don't have any problem with it if you were doing it just you know you know you want to do it like a tattoo but I I feel like and please should tell me if I'm wrong but I just I just feel like it's 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 deeper than that like it's it's because you didn't like your nose not because you felt like it was ugly but because the world told you it was ugly and I feel like if the if that's the reason you're doing it I feel like you we should have conversations with black with um our women about that like you know because i can and i can understand cosmetic reasons because stuff happens people they need plastic surgery but i just don't like plastics because plastic surgery is set up to try to make you all look like kim kardashian which is hard to do you know we set a standard this is the standard of beauty and everybody has hit it and it's like we all got different faces and setups and stuff and everybody's different and everybody got different tastes so we need i don't know it just that just hurts. It hurts. It, I'm not mad at them. It just hurts. It just hurts my heart. Because you know that the reason they did it is because they, they were told that broad noses were ugly. And that's just not the case. That's just because some, some petty people, some immature people, or some people that need you to spend billions of dollars on your reshaping your body want you to think. And you're, you're beautiful. No matter your skin, no matter your body type, you know, whatever, whatever race you are or ethnicity or culture you know whatever uh, uh, features are predominant in your culture you know be proud of them don't be ashamed of them don't be trying to look like the eurocentric standard of beauty just because because you are beautiful and i heard one thing that was very interesting i don't know if this is true i might be getting a little black extremely because i'm listening to kendrick lamar but i heard somewhere that like jewish people will like try their best to keep their children in their community like not expose them to other cultures until i don't I mean, they might have said 13 or 10 one of those ages but the reason is to give them a solid base about themselves you know and who they are and where they come from before they go out into the world and i feel like that's a philosophy everybody should instill which it sounds racist but it's really not because when you see black children now me myself i was i was i i'm in a way i'm a, i'm a testament to this because i was raised in atlanta a predominantly black environment so i never really got those kind of comments your hair's stupid you're darky you know I've, I've never been you know i've never been called out of my name in my life unless it was like a, a curse word but i've never been called the n-word in my life like from a 
random white dude just yelling from a distance. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. But if they did, it didn't affect me. But for people who, you know, who, you know, move to nicer areas and like upper class areas where there's less minorities or it's like spurted and you don't have a good role model physically and aesthetically and all the people you look up to, the, the cool kids in school are white, you know, you're thinking there's something wrong with you. And I feel like if you raise a child around people who look like them, at least for a little bit and get an understanding that what you have is normal and accepted in environments and you don't have to change, I feel like that would be better for people, especially especially black children because they grow up thinking, I've got to change my nose, i got to lighten up, i got to straighten my hair, you know, all these things. And you're beautiful the way you are. And if you just simply hung around with more people that look like you, I feel like that would solve a lot of people's problems and even vice versa. You know, I'd say the same thing for a white kid joining a primarily black environment. You know, our hair doesn't grow the same. We don't do the same things. I feel like when you grow up exposed to your culture off the rip, you know, grow, if you're raised in your race's culture, then you're more confident in who you are as an individual. As isn't a hundred percent. I'm just saying case by case, just using myself as an example. You know, a a, part, a white racist white dude could call me out my name. I wouldn't even turn around. Like, cause I just got that much pride in myself and what I stand for and understand what I am. That it's not even, you're not even worth the effort of anything I would go through if I turned around and and spoke to you about that or feel sorry about myself. Like, you can't use my race to try to demean me. Cause I just, I just been taught that that's ridiculous. I'm beautiful and I know it. My broad nose, my my curly hair, my dark skin, I know it's all, my big lips, I know they're all beautiful, and there's nothing you can say about those things, now I have, <laughs> you talk about my height, we might have some problems, but <laughs> the aesthetic things that make me an African American, you cannot condemn me with those, but I've gone on enough tangent, uh, <laughs> that's why, and that's why I love complexion, so now um, I want to get into the next song, which is um, Black of the Berry. So let's go ahead. It, it kind of plays into what I'm talking about now, but let's let's go ahead and hop into it. And then once we get into um, Black of the Bear, I love the guitar. It, the guitar he becomes a very the guitar comes a lot more up in his next album, Damn. But yeah, the the guitar in this uh, the the rock and roll kind of stop. Man, he he balls from every style of music in this, like that that punk rock, like the rebelliousness of it. It's essentially it. It fe It's this song speaks a little bit more into that anger of being a black man and the hurdles, the racism, the police brutality, the prison system, the terrible public schooling because of because of prop schools are funded by property taxes and predominantly black areas aren't given aren't don't have a lot of money to invest. Like you know the whole the whole system, top to bottom, prisons, banks, education, the police, uh, business, all the hurdles that black people run through. He's a pretty much talking about the anger and the he, he's talking about the hurdles and the anger that everybody has to go through. But I could talk about that more in detail. But what I really want to talk about is an interview I was watching. I'll 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 link it somewhere. But Kendrick Lamar, this is 2015. He's speaking to an, an interviewer uh, with MTV, and they're talking about Black of the Berry. And they're talking about how he got some flack for the album. I don't, I don't know. He didn't really talk, say what exactly people were saying, but I can take a guess and say they're probably. It's about the last verse where he talks about. He talks about I'm the biggest hypocrite of 2015. 
I didn't really get that line until the very end. And he says, listen, he says, keep listening to the song. He goes on and on. And then he talks about I'm the biggest hypocrite because I'm talking about how essentially, quote unquote, the white man is destroying our culture to a certain extent or the system establishment, whatever you want to call it, is destroying it. But also at the same time, he has also played a hand in the destruction of his race. And that's the part that people started having flack for. And he actually... I've never seen Kendrick Lamar visibly upset by what people said about him or his album, but I you could see they struck a chord at him, man. And I really felt bad for I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, he's a rich dude, but I really I could feel the the sorrow like when he was saying like he said this isn't this album isn't about the community. He is the community. This was his experiences. He grew up in Compton. These are his stories and to have a problem with it is like saying you got a problem with his experience saying that it's not real or whatever like these are things he had to do and then the part that had the most effect that really i had, i got quiet i had to sit on it for a minute was he started talking about the he said you don't understand the things that i the damage that i've caused to my community and then he pauses and then he looks and i've started studying body language lately so his hands started rubbing his thighs in like a sporadic, you know, when you, whenever you're nervous or you're feeling like fear or, you know, looking back on fearful times or regrets, you know, you begin to do sporadic movements like touching yourself or feeling your hands or for him, it was rubbing his chest. And then he looked for the first time I saw he looked to the side and it's like his lips started to quiver and like you could just see he was running through. I'm guessing when he had to kill somebody back in the day, like it's, you could feel the remorse he had for what he had to do back in the day. But you know, it was it's what it was. It was his reality, and he understands that. But it doesn't hurt any less. And that's one thing he also speaks on is um, the gangsters, these tough dudes that are killing people. Like you may see, you know, even like the glorification of like gang violence. They say it, but when these dude, when these grown men go behind closed doors and away from everyone. They shed tears for the things they've done because they're killing their own people. It's very, it's a very complicated subject because for one, this is all systematic. This was all built by the crack, also by the crack epidemic, which was fed to the black, into the black communities by the CIA and the government. You know, that's just what I believe. It could be wrong. I don't know, but that's just what they say. But it's just really, I just... The look of sorrow and the pain for the things that he had to do and had to see. I just, you could feel the pain in his voice. Like, he was talking about, like, and even, like, today, like, beyond that, like, hearing that people he grew up with, his childhood friends, had been killed while he's on tour with, like, Kanye West and, like, all these other famous people. His friends are getting killed in the streets, and he knows the people who killed them, and he's got to sit with that information and not do anything about it, not because he can't, but because he shouldn't. And that's really, I got all the respect in the world for him, like, because that's hard to do. True humility is a difficult thing, and it's, but it's the only answer. Just like Uncle Iroh taught me, hum, true humility is the only answer. Like, he said, I'm just going to go off, this is a little unrelated, but Uncle Iroh said, um, pride pride is not the opposite of shame but it's source 
pride is the source of he said pride uncle iowa said pride is not the opposite of shame but it's its source Hum true humility is the only path to happiness and peace something along those lines and that has stuck with me for my entire life i think about that quote all the time and It's just something, something about the look on his face, the devastation, the things he's seen. Just, I just felt for him in that moment. And to have people provoking it and bringing that out of him, I really felt bad. Because I've never seen him lose his composure before. He was visibly angry about the remarks people had to say about that song. But that just goes into how great of a person he is, that he's willing to be that open. Like, this isn't in, in the album. He isn't very open in the album, but this is in an interview how open he is to be as vulnerable. But this is also a person he's been interviewed with a couple times. This is somebody he knows in text. Like they're, 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 they're like work coworker friends kind of, like that kind of situation. So, but I just love that. Like if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm gonna put a, I'm, I'm gonna put the clip in, but it's just, and you know, if you follow, I'll put it on my social media, but that, it just, that scene just strikes a chord with me, man. That, it, it changed how, how I went about this entire podcast when I saw that scene. And it changed my perspective on Kendrick Lamar. And this is Kendrick Lamar in 2015. I just think about the amount of growth he's had since then. And I just commend him for it. But I think it, I think I've said all I need to say. And Oh, and one, one more thing. Kendrick Lamar said, like he says this very often, he makes his music for prisoners and he makes them for college students he makes them for people with time people who are able to sit with an album and Kendrick Lamar said he said it himself he's not a big fan of people calling him like the greatest of all time after like just one song or an album like he wants he wants you to sit with his music for a while that's why he he makes his music for people in prison and people in college because he just want he wants he wants you to sit with his music live with his music and I guess I'm a testament to that because I'm having a conversation about this album five years after it came out. So, you know, it's, it's true. He makes his songs for longevity. And every time I hear his music, I hear something different every time. And I got nothing but respect for him because of that. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I almost forgot. Um, We got to talk about I. Oh, man, I. I love I. It's, it's one. Um, but I guess if we're going to talk about I, we got to go back a little bit. This is the earliest single from this album that he released. And what's interesting is the original version he didn't put into the final cut of the, of the of this um, album. He put the live version up. And I'll explain why in a minute. But he got a lot of flack for the Well, let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk about when he originally released I. The first thing that everybody had to say was a lot of people didn't like it. Because they felt like he was... Um, he was he was becoming mainstream like he was changing it up because it was a different flow than what they were used to in the context of today it doesn't seem that different from what you would expect from him but back then when all you had to go off of was section 80 and um good kid mad city i was a very big change for kendrick lamar but he said the reason he made that song was for one for his boys in prison who were struggling for people struggling with depression and suicide because people come to his concerts with like um, things on their arms from cutting themselves and they would say your music saved my life and so he he, he said it's a at the, at the time he said it was the most important song he had ever made it, but even more than all right like he said it's the most important song he ever made because it, he made it for them to say no matter what happens 
I love myself and you gotta love yourself and we're gonna make it through this. And I just, I love that, I love that theme. And it's a really fun, upbeat song I really like. But honestly, I prefer the live version um, over the original version. Mostly because I just heard the original version for the first time recently. I mean, it's, it's good, it's okay. I mean, not okay. I probably would love it if it was the first version I saw, but they, it wasn't, so it's it's not. <laughs> but what's really interesting about the song "I" is um, what he said uh, for the he he. If you if you know music, you know that the 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 he took he he sampled the song that "Who's That Lady" by um, the Isley Brothers. You know that "Who's That Lady? Who's That Lady?" <laughs> uh, if you, <laughs> I'm always singing on here, but uh, <laughs> but um, he actually went to Ron Isley himself, the head, um, the lead singer, and to get permission for this. And I guess it went. The conversation went very well because one, he got it, and then two, Ron Isley has two credits on this album for this song and um, and the other song, "How Much a Dollar Cost." And I think he's he's on another song. I don't know, but I guess the conversation went really well then. And he said he also said that people were saying that it's too pop and he changed it up. But he said, this is an Isley Brothers sample. And the Isley Brothers are soul. It's black. And he's just in he got it. He, he reminded people that he's like, this is this is a black sample. This is a black song. You know, it don't matter what you think. It's what it is. Historically, this is a soul influence. And I respect him for that. I got nothing but respect for Kendrick Lamar all day, every day. But OK, um, my computer's running out of battery. So we got it. We got to keep this moving. So I got I got one more song to do. Um, I already said it, but let's let's get in real quick. Let's get into Mortal Man, and then let's get out of here, guys. And I just gotta say, um, let's just talk musically for a second. Like, oof, I love the strings. The strings are fantastic in this song, man. The strings are absolutely fantastic. I love it. It's beautiful. This this part, he's talking about some serious stuff, but it's. These instruments. I wish. I wish so many artists like Tyler the Creator and stuff would release every single album they made. I wish they had the instrumental for all of them because I just love to listen to it. Like it's beautiful. Like it's it's such a beautiful ending to this album. It feels like you're wrapping it up. It's so roll credits. Ooh, like that. It's like that level of um um not for your eyes only. What's the last song on 2014 Forest Drive? Um, note yourself. It's like note yourself. It's a perfect wrap up to the end of the album, and I love every second of it. And then it oh, to uh, pull away from the musical aspect, like you know, the strings are fantastic. Like, and I haven't even talked about um, Kendrick Lamar is one of those artists where sometimes you can't tell if it's Kendrick on a song because the way he's because you know he's kind of got like a good raspy singing voice. He can change his inflection, his voice, his tone, his pitch. Where sometimes it's like, is that Kendrick? And that's one of his greatest skills. You can't tell sometimes if it's him, and I love that. And and this this is when and at the end of the album he kind of begins to almost accept that he's become a leader in his own community. Um, but he also accepts that he understands what happens to leaders like Martin Luther King and Moses and um, Malcolm X and. My, my, um, Nelson Mandela is, you know, you, 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 you do your work, and then the 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 system. I mean, your people are most likely the ones that are going to take you down, and so he understands his time is short. So that's why he's make song. He makes albums like this to try to preach to you, and then the the recurring theme. Oh my, uh, shit don't change until you get up and wash your ass, and this other lick 
um what's it what it was what is it it when shit hit the fan is you still a fan i love that that's so real and he says ask your friends when shit hit the fan are you gonna be are you gonna ride when when the road gets bumpy are you gonna be there because it's gonna stop being bumpy but you got to get through the bumpy times with me or you won't be able to enjoy those other times with me like i love that it's fan it's there's no other way to describe it the price of a leader when shit hit the fan is you still a fan that I, be, I bet you all Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Nelson Mandela I bet you they would all agree And then what's very interesting is Back when I was re-watching, listening to this in 2018 I thought it was so interesting that um That Michael Jackson lick Or was it 2019? It might have been 2019 But um That Michael Jackson lick where he's talking about You, you gave us, he gave us Billy Jean You saying he touched those kids Like, especially when that documentary came out Just me personally, I don't think he did it he could have, and I could be completely wrong. I'm willing to accept that, but that's just my opinion. He, I could be completely wrong. He could be a pedophile, and I wouldn't know. But I don't believe he did. But it, that's interesting that Kendrick thinks the same also. And he's, it's very fervent. That's the most fervent he gets in the entire song. Well, like, he's real, he gets real passionate when we get to that Michael Jackson part. And then the strings start swelling, like the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And what's interesting, this is the first time we hear strings in the entire album. Which I, I always thought with how great this was. I always thought they would have had strings on it. But no, this is the one and only time there are strings in this album. Is in the very last song. And then this all this would be great by itself. But then the surprise, if you listen to this without anybody telling you, he's he has a secret conversation from beyond the grave with Tupac. Tupac! The 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 black man's greatest rapper of all time. 20 years running 20 30 years running i remember growing up i remember my parents weren't very big, big tupac fans so i heard the name tupac more than the than his actual music and he just he just goes he just he like the name tupac i heard more than his actual music and tupac has very high respects in the in the black community, he is coveted almost like a messiah, kind of almost. Like, people still think he's still alive, that he's in Cuba. I don't know. I wasn't around at that time, so I don't have a strong opinion about it. But the reverence the old heads have, you know, the people who are 30-something now, um, the reverence they have for Tupac is so high. It's ridiculous. Like, you see shirts. Shirts with little... I haven't seen a shirt yet that said Tupac, whatever day he died, till whatever... I mean, one day he lived, to the day he died. All of them were supposed to put the day he died... There's a blank because they still think he's in Cuba, you know, just because he had that kind of impact. And Tupac said it himself. I know everybody knows this quote, but he says, I won't change the world, but I will spark the change that changed the world. And J. Cole, T um, Kendrick Lamar, Chance the Rapper, anybody, al any rapper alive now, like who's at least over 25, Tupac is a direct influence on their music and who they are as people. And the fact that he got this interview, but yeah, what's interesting is, um, but what's really interesting is the way Kendrick Lamar, um, well, the way he got this, um, what's really interesting is the way he got this, this um, interview from Tupac was that he was in Germany and a guy he was, who interviewed him said, you know, even though y'all, you and Tupac are from different eras, y'all both have the same basic, you know, conscience or ideas about, you know, the black experience. And so that's why he gave him that interview. And obviously he got permission from Tupac's mom and his, his state and his, what's it called? Your, what's it, what's it called? Your, I don't know. But he got the right permission and then he did it. And it was, and he, he calls, Kendrick Lamar calls him a prophet. 
because he speaks on things and you know it's true the the thing even still today five years after he he made that uh interview with tupac tupac's words are still true black people are tired of the rich people man humans we're tired of the rich taking advantage of the poor you know we need to start coming together and not letting them divide us but that's a but yeah that whole conversation was fantastic it was it was it was amazing and at the end when he still has questions oh i'm sorry i almost forgot i didn't even talk about um yeah i'm sorry i almost forgot i didn't even talk about the the poem how did i forget the poem all right yeah so the poem it goes um i remember you was conflicted misusing your influence sometimes i did the same abusing my power full of resentment resentment that turned into a deep depression found myself screaming in the hotel room i didn't want to self-destruct the evils of lucy was all around me so i went running for answers until i came home but that didn't stop survivor's guilt going back and forth trying to convince myself the stripes i earned or maybe how a1 my foundation was but while my loved ones was fighting the continuous war back in the city i was entering a new one a war that was based on apartheid and discrimination made me want to go back to the city and tell the homies what i learned the word was respect just because you wore different gang colors and minds doesn't mean i can't respect you as a black man forgetting all the pain and hurt we cause each other in these streets if i respect you we unify and stop the enemy from killing us but i don't know i'm no mortal man maybe I, maybe i'm just another nigga and yeah so i haven't talked about it at all because i was saving it for the ending but uh since we're at the end the he he's it i guess in a way this is this is all one i guess in a way this is all one big conversation that he he was having with tupac the poem and everything he was going through and i guess if you want to take it that way but it's just and he's been piecing it little by piece and each piece is more related to like some of his songs so he'll save parts he'll only say the parts that are most important to each song or the next song coming up he did it very eloquently and then uh, essentially tupac's philosophy is just like how everybody's tired of being abused by the system and like the next time there's a riot things are gonna get really serious and like there's gonna be blood you know we're gonna grab the rich you know and the influence on the streets and but the end i guess this is this is the most important part of the whole album i feel like is the final poem that he tells him and it's the story of the caterpillar and the caterpillar is is you and the your and your talents your skills you know everything you can bring to the table is your butterfly and Essentially, he's just saying, um, even though it, um, y you and the butterfly are completely different, you're still one and the same. And also, I guess the more I would say the moral of this album was um, don't allow the world to, to pimp your talents. You pimp your talents to your benefit, you know, especially in, you know, and it's very good for times like now with the coronavirus everything going on people being stressed and afraid you know don't allow the government the people whoever to pimp your talents your skills your happiness you know use this time to hone your craft sharpen your skills or you know just keep yourself mentally sane keep yourself happy keep yourself entertained if you're not going to be productive at least try to make efforts to be happy in the situation that you have 
and I know I know there's only so much you can do, but you know, look at some manifest. Look at some places you want to travel to when you when you get out of this. You know, dream up some dreams. Think of some goals. Make some plans to be productive one day. Put on pants. If you could just put on pants one day, that'll be. I say that's a job well done. I guess, um, and I and I guess, uh, if I were to give my advice for this time right now, I would say, um, well, me personally, since starting this podcast, I've been going back and looking at some all of my favorite movies and TV shows and books and and uh, music, obviously, and it's really helped bring a peace. Thinking about all these things and the fond memories I have with them. Thinking back to the people I was listening to this stuff with or watching with, you know, the laughs I had, the places I used to be, the experiences I used to have, it's really been keeping me sane. So I would encourage you to um, go and look at some of your favorite movies, even like we go back to Barney, like stuff you liked when you was four, just to get a good laugh, you know? We don't get a, you, when was the last, since this thing happened, when was the last time you laughed? I say go out, uh, you know, take a walk. Put it. Put on some of your favorite songs from when you was a little kid with Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Backstreet Boys, Isley Brothers, Bill Withers, whatever whatever age you were, you know, when you were young or had good times. Play the music from those good times and hope they make you feel better the way that I do. And everybody stay strong out there. Now that I have a lot more free time, I'm definitely going to try to upload more. So I got some good stuff coming. And stay tuned. And... For anybody who's actually listened to this thing top to bottom, the greatest thank you would not be enough for me to describe how much I appreciate you. And until the next one, um, continue to pimp your talents to your benefit.